Awesome. Thank you, Deb, for the introduction. And likewise, uh, thank you, everyone, for taking the time out of your day to attend today's webinar on really how to get the most out of Omicsoft data now that we have an API that we can use to exploit it. I do have the obligatory disclaimer. Uh, the things I'm showing today are intended for research discovery use. So definitely incorporate them in your research. Please don't use them to diagnose or treat disease. And also, like Dev mentioned, we really love feedback because your feedback is what we use to make use cases like today's example. I like to think I'm a pretty good scientist, but you guys are the ones who are actually using these tools in order to actually make discoveries in the uh, pharmacological space. So uh, for some of you guys, I noticed in the polls that you listed that uh, you don't cover some of the things that we listed. Let us know in the chat. We would love that feedback. Also, you're not alone today. Uh, in addition to me giving the seminar, I have several of my field application scientist colleagues on the call. So if you have questions, go ahead and ask them in the Q&A box. By doing so, we can answer those questions live. My colleagues can type answers in response. And then by using that Q&A box, we can also do a good job better tracking those questions, sharing the responses with other people, et cetera. And then finally, we will email you a recording of today's presentation. Also in the chat box, you'll notice that Dev has been linking today's slides. If you happen to load that link, it'll give you a PDF, which contains all of these slides, all of these resources, which you can very easily download. And importantly, it also has my email address. Something that I like reminding people is if you're under license with Omicsoft or other Kyogen software, follow-up assistance is included. And for Omicsoft, let's be honest, that means training. So if you need some one-on-one -on -one help with using the APIs or getting started with Omicsoft Studio, either let me or my colleague Kartik know, we want you to get the most out of Omicsoft. So with that, First, I want to show just some brief examples of the kinds of things that I want to show how to answer today. And all of the data that I'm showing today, we do have a GUI for Omicsoft, but everything here has been uh, prepared using Python and our API. So with that, it's going to be very important to answer broad Omics questions. One of the things that's really frustrating as a scientist is when you're getting started, you don't necessarily know where to start. You want to ask a huge question. And it's really hard to ask a huge question when you have hundreds of thousands of individual samples or you have uh, tens, if not hundreds of different diseases that you could be searching across. The Omicsoft API makes it really easy to take advantage of our controlled vocabulary to say exactly what you want. And because it's an SQL-driven API, it's really fast at answering those questions, even if they're big. So if you want to see every single liver cancer sample that's present in the Omicsoft collection, you can ask that question. And by doing so, you can list out all of the disease states. You can see what databases they're in. And yes, you can ask that question across every collection, every database, meaning uh, you can look in individual consortia like Target and TCGA 
in addition to public resources like GEO. In addition to looking overall at samples, most people are going to have a gene of interest. Uh, today, I happened to pick CCL14 because I was really interested in cytokines. And in this particular case, uh, it's also really easy to ask across these collections, how is uh, CCL14 expressed across all of these samples? So each one of these dots represents an individual sample uh, that was either uh, pulled from GEO, pulled from TCGA, pulled from the GTEx uh, Normal Tissue Consortia, or pulled from the cancer line, uh, the cancer cell line encyclopedia. And with that, we can really easily see what do normal control expressions look like in GTEx, that repository of normal tissues? What do they look like in the control liver samples in GEO? And once we have that baseline, we can then see how that changes for individual diseases. In addition to asking those simple but big questions, it's also possible to really go to town and integrate multiple queries together. So let's say, for example, you have CCL14, you have all of these liver samples, and you want to know what other genes correlate with it? What genes anti-correlate? And so across all of these samples, whether they are control samples or part of these other specific liver cancers, you can ask big questions like, how are every other pairwise comparison gene expressed? So here I'm showing uh, a chart for how CCL14 expression across all of these samples compares to PDE2A expression across all of these samples. And we can see that that's a fairly strong correlation score. And in addition to, again, this one gene, we're actually pulling 10,000, 20,000 genes all on one query. So we can really easily generate this table and use that to make a gene signature. So the final thing that I want to also really point out is that we have all kinds of omics data. So in addition to your uh, RNA-seq, you have your uh, microRNA uh, sequencing information. We have plenty of DNA-seq info out there for uh, looking at any kind of variant or DNA mutation. Uh, we also have proteomics. But one of the cool things that we've been adding has been single cell data. So in addition to all of the signatures and things that you generate, it is possible to go ahead and apply those to ask across all single cell clusters, uh, are there any uh, enrichment for your given gene signature in a specific cell type? So the gene signature that I generated on the previous slide, I was able to very easily ask across all of these different single cell data sets, whether this is the tabula sapiens uh, control data sets or many of these other uh, sources of uh, public study. And with that, I'm able to go ahead and pull up hepatocyte clusters versus other, and I can go ahead and show that CCL14 expression is in fact correlating with PDE2A expression and is anti-correlated with uh, XRCC2 expression, in this case, another uh, rather potent uh, cancer-related gene. 
So today, just to give you a brief overview, this looks like a lot, but I want to be sure to point out that we're really focusing just on three big topics. First, I just want to go ahead and introduce what I mean by Tiagen curated public data. What does OmicSoft do? And I can see that there are questions uh, in the Q&A box uh, about, you know, how do we process all of this data? Do we do any kind of correction across all of these studies? How can we compare these reliably? So that is something that I really want to focus on in this first part. After that, I could start by showing you many of the resources available to help you get started. But I really want to get into, you know, what is the, the cool things you can do? What can you do? So this way, even if you aren't necessarily the end user who's going to be performing these analyses, you'll at least know what is possible. So that way you can then ask your bioinformatician, uh, hey, can you answer these kinds of questions? What can I do to get this kind of gene signature? What kind of experiments do I need to be doing? And then finally, I also want to show you the resources that we have available to help you get started. Because this is just a big overview webinar, it's not going to be possible to just watch this and then immediately start coding. You're going to have to go ahead and download some resources like our schema, our example queries. So I wanna show you exactly what kind of documentation we have and also remind you that follow-up assistance is free. So I'll show my email address another time uh, in the, the presentation. So with that, I want to go ahead and over, give you just a quick overview of why this detailed curation is absolutely essential when dealing with public data, and then also the many ways to access our curated data, whether it's the GUI, the API, or flat file options. So first, why do we manually curate data? Why do we go through all of this effort? And in Kyogen's experience, we we found that you have to manually curate to ensure any kind of data consistency. In addition to everything having a completely different uh, treatment name, there's a wide variety of different names for the same disease. There's also going to be some sort of small mistake in over a third of all samples. So about 35% of the time, we find that there are typos or mistakes in the cell lines, the treatments. I know when I was in grad school and I was performing ChIP-seq and K562 cells, I was just simply you know, filling out the geo table in Excel. I just needed to get it done. And I had my K562 cells. And when I dragged and dropped, I had K563, K564, K565, et cetera. So those are mistakes that are really easy for a human a manual curator to detect. But if you're ingesting by machine learning or AI, that can get really ugly really fast. And about five to 10% of the time, the issue is actually worse. Uh, we find that in one out of 10 samples, there's some sort of error in the metadata table. There's some sort of inconsistency that requires author intervention. So. What do I mean by that? Let's say that you have a study that was recently published and that study, in addition to the supplemental data that they uploaded to the journal, they also have the raw data that they uploaded to GEO. 
we find that sometimes the metadata tables are different between those two sources. Let's say, for example, they uploaded the data to GEO, and then when they were preparing the manuscript, they realized, oh, we swapped some samples. So they might have corrected it in one place, but not the other. Another common issue that occurs is when there are differences between the original publication and future publications using the same data. Let's say that a group or uh, even a completely different lab using the same data realizes, hey, some of these samples are mixed up. They might correct the issue. So their journal article is accurate, their data set is accurate, but that original data set isn't updated, whether it's because the original authors didn't want to go through the trouble of issuing a correction, or it happens to be the new group and they don't have the ability to upload or update the original entry. We catch those because we are reprocessing the data from scratch. And because of that, we're able to ensure that everything is accurate. And if it's not accurate, we have to throw away the data. So what do I mean by processing from scratch? This is where we have our curation pipeline. And this is absolutely critical for getting the most out of public data. Uh, in this case, the first thing is figuring out what kind of studies are we going to look at. And that's going to be things like RNA-seq, DNA-seq, proteomics, basically any kind of relevant public study, uh, whether it's in the public space like GEO or also from uh, important consortia like the Cancer Genome Atlas. Ultimately, we try to stay up to date on everything, but quite a few of our projects are driven by client request. What do I mean by that? Uh, a bunch of our users tell us what they're interested in. So we make sure that we have those keywords flagged. And if we are missing a study, tell us. We will add it to the queue. But ultimately, we are going to download all of the raw data and all of the metadata. With that, the raw data itself, we reprocess. We realign it from scratch. We normalize everything to the 70th percentile. And then we perform extensive QC to make sure that everything is up to our rigorous standards. I saw that there was a question about batch correction. In this case, we don't do batch correction because there are a large number of confounding issues that we find between certain individual cell types. But overall, we do make sure that batch effects are taken care of when we're doing our statistical analyses. So whenever we re curate a study whenever we realign everything, we now have all of the FPKM values for every single gene across every single condition in that study. We have standard comparisons that we always take the time to make, whether it's disease versus normal, uh, whether it is uh, tissue one versus tissue two, treatment versus no treatment, responder versus non-responder. Those kinds of questions are commonly asked by researchers, and we make sure that those answers are pre-computed and available. So in addition to searching uh, for those answers, it's also possible to start by asking, give me only significantly differentially expressed genes. Only give me samples where there was a significant responder versus non-responder difference. And ultimately, this plus all of the controlled vocabulary 
to make sure everything is using the exact same terms results in our database. So with that, there are many ways to access this data. We currently have three different methods that are available. One method which I give a lot of trainings on is using our GUI, uh, the Omicsoft Studio software suite. And in this case, this software enables scientists to not only analyze their own data, but also explore all of this public data that we've curated. And I'm more than happy to help you guys out with using this software. In addition to the GUI, we also realize that many data scientists just want the data. They don't want to deal with uh, software. So because of that, we offer the flat files. We make sure that everything is available in the same structure. We make sure everything is updated on a quarterly basis. And we let you go to town. But what I want to talk about today is one of our newer offerings, which is this API access. And essentially, what this does, we are providing a Python and an R wrapper that let you ask SQL queries. So by sending your SQL query, you are able to obtain a slice of all of this data, all of these different omics data types. And we will return your query. We will return your answer in either a data frame, which you can then process and use immediately in Python or R for calculation, or we'll return it uh, as a uh, text file that you can then process in other tools. And why would someone want to use an API? Uh, these are just some of the common examples that I've run across. So there's always going to be just simple queries where you have a question, but it might be big. Like, what if you just want every single RNA-seq data set from breast cancers and you want them to have a curated subtype or you want them to have a certain piece of associated information? Let's say you only want breast cancers that happen to also have DNA-seq mutation information for your gene of interest. That's easy to do with the APIs. You could also get variant data. Again, we have mutation information that's available. Or if you want to get survival data from a consortia like TCGA, that is something that we can also uh, obtain. However, all of those were examples of big questions. The real power that I want to point out is the ability to search across databases. The APIs, we provide a universal framework that is able to ask a question across every collection that we have, meaning you can shatter the barriers between individual silos of consortia. If you want results from Target, TCGA, and the public geodomain all in the same answer, done. And because of this, it's very easy to get information across uh, other sources of healthy controls, like uh, GTEx, or if you want to compare cell lines with patient biopsies. Also, in addition to uh, looking across all of this different uh, sources of data, we also have all of the different types of data. Meaning if you want to go ahead and correlate 
say, microRNA expression with uh, how that might affect uh, RNA or protein levels, that's also possible. You can define custom cohorts by any available metadata using any of those techniques. So if you want to set up a custom query based on just an available measurement, that is possible. Finally, because you're doing all of these things in Python or R, you're able to then immediately harness the power of those programming languages to analyze the data you just downloaded. So if you want to evaluate possible pairwise comparisons across an entire gene list, you can do that. If you don't like using, say, Fisher's exact test, you can easily come up with a chi-squared approach. If you want to generate gene signatures on the scratch or generate gene signatures on the fly, that's something that you can also do using our pre-computed statistical comparisons. And there are many ways to go about that. And finally, one of the examples that I'm going to show today is just an example of how to use gene set enrichment uh, in order to look at all of these different samples. So those are just some of the common reasons why you might want to use an API to access public data. That's also some of the reasons why it's absolutely essential to manually curate all of those details, because you can't ask across every single data set unless they're all using the same term, they're all using the same vocabulary. So now that I've given you just that brief introduction, I want to go ahead and show you what I mean by using API queries. And with that, I want to go ahead and start through some examples where I start simple and big. You know, let's go ahead and query different public and consortia databases. And then I have some other questions that I often get asked, like, for a given disease, people want to know what are the common upregulated or downregulated genes. And they want to know that across every single disease sample. They don't want to have to just rely on one or two studies in order to generate that signature. Once you have a gene of interest, you can look across all sorts of different samples, biopsies, cell lines, normal tissue. And then you can use that information to generate gene signatures and then search using those gene signatures, whether it's across standard RNA-seq data or if you're searching across single-cell studies. So just before I jump into that, the two things that I want to be sure to mention is that we have a ton of public data available. So in addition to all of the consortia data that we curate, we focus on these collections. We make sure that we have oncology data available across thousands of studies and all sorts of different data types. We also want to be sure to focus on other sources of disease. So we have a non-cancer disease collection in order to help you find information about your rare disease or to help you focus on a disease area of interest. We are curating and continuously growing our single cell collection so you can get that cell type specific context. And then something I'm not going to talk about today, but I do want to point out is that we are collaborating with ATCC in order to create a standardized, rigorous profile of every single one of their commercially available cell lines. So we want it to be possible for you to generate and select a cell line 
based on only rigorous data that they've generated. Also, just as a reminder, the stuff that I'm showing today is complicated. So again, follow-up training is included with your Omicsoft license. So if you need help, go ahead and reach out. Uh, shoot me an email personally or shoot Kartik an email. Uh, Kartik is responsible for making sure that everyone can get the most out of Omicsoft. I also included a few extra email addresses here where I have uh, our technical and scientific support. They're really handy at answering questions about some of the details within Omicsoft or IPA. I also have sales and licensing who can help you get in touch with an account manager to set up things like trials. And then finally, Devendra Mystery is on the call. He's actually my team lead. So if you have any additional comments, feedback, or requests, go ahead and shoot him an email. With that, I want to go ahead and jump in to the API. So the API is available in either Python or R. And so because of that, we're able to generate notebooks, uh, whether it's a Jupyter notebook for Python, or you can have a notebook for R as well. And with that, this is going to enable me to provide uh, examples of everything that we're showing today. And I'm going to be able to show you the exact queries that I use to generate these results. I also want to point out that we do have these resources that are available. These are things that I'm going to show more in depth at the end of the talk. But if you happen to go to our product page and log in, this is going to give you access to all of the documentation that you might subscribe to for your Omicsoft land data. And when you're here, as I just zoom in to make this a bit easier to read, this is where you can see things like our data model as well as our schema, which again, I'll focus on this more at the end, but this is essentially how all of the tables of information are related and how all of the terms have these common keys that we can use uh, to cross-reference these tables and join them together in SQL. So with that, before we get started, one of the things that I want to point out is how do you access uh, the Omicsoft API? So in my particular example today, I'm going to show this using Python. And we have essentially three different ways that you can access uh, the API. You can either use like a browser-based login, which in this case, what I'll do is I will launch this query. I then click my single sign-on link, which is going to verify that I am authenticated and allowed to access this data. You can also have a device code login which is really useful if you're integrating this into a web app or other tools uh, within your company. And then finally, if you happen to be unable to use things like single sign-on, we also allow direct username and password to be transmitted. After that, because we're also, again, using a Python environment, we can import really useful utilities like pandas, numpy, Seaborn, uh, or matplot library. And we can also define, say, custom functions. So if there is something that you like automating, you can easily set that up and then load that into your environment. 
And once you do that, this is where we can go ahead and get into some of these examples. So let's say we have a starting question, like how uh, can we look across all sorts of different Omicsoft databases for liver disease? So if we want to ask for every single sample that we have, that is a liver sample, what diseases do we have? How many samples of each are available? What database are they in? And so with that, I can easily ask this type of query, where for this query, I am feeding it the tissue requirement of liver. I am not limiting it to a database. I'm not limiting it to a tissue category. I'm only asking that across all databases, give me the tissue, project name, disease state, and count them up. Uh, and ultimately, all of these samples are going to get linked together using this disease state term. Once I get that data down, in addition to having it stored directly as a data frame, I can then immediately use Python to create a pivot table that lets me count up all of the samples for every single disease state in every single database. So I currently have these results preloaded, but that query runs rather quickly. So in this case, I just asked and answered across every single liver sample that we have, what are the disease states? And you can see that we have 112 different rows and that's spread over these 22 different columns. We can see near the top that we have quite a few normal control samples in addition to uh, hepatocellular carcinoma, liver carcinoma, diet-induced obesity, et cetera. And then also something that I'll point out is that we're able to get these results from things like Blueprint, which is uh, hematology-based control, or the Cancer Cell Line Encyclopedia. Uh, we have this uh, these several repositories like Expo or GTEx. And then let's say if we want to narrow this down a little bit more. So this time, rather than looking at all of these 112 samples, which it's really ugly to plot, trust me, I tried. Let's say I wanna go ahead and limit my search just to cancer. So if I take the exact same query and this, this time I'm adding the disease category term to be like cancer, this is going to search for cancer with a wildcard on either side. And that is going to go ahead and give me all of this information for the specific liver cancers that we have. So these are all cancer samples that happen to be present in liver. And with that, I can really easily plot that using existing tools. Like in this case, I'm using the uh, matplot library. Uh, some of my other examples are using Seaborn. If you happen to be using R, you can use things like ggplot. And all of these different public tools have cookbooks online that can really help you customize these charts, which is great because many of these original charts that I tried to make did not come out looking good. So with that, here I went ahead and searched for all of these different liver cancer samples. And I identified that we really have a ton of hepatocellular carcinoma samples. And something that's also really neat to point out, only this tiny sliver at the end is from TCGA. 
So the Cancer Genome Atlas is absolutely the gold standard when it comes to starting for any kind of cancer research. But in this case, we also have a huge amount of information available. This information coming from things like our human oncology collection. OncoHuman is what we call our collection of all of the GEO and SRA databases, uh, data sets that we've downloaded and manually curated that other scientists have published. We also have things like the Lynx Consortia information, where in this case, the Broad Institute decided on a huge library of cell lines, let's go ahead and pour a bunch of chemicals on them. So we have perturbogen information across all of these different cell lines and how they relate to hepatocellular carcinoma. Ultimately, if you want to then focus uh, on a particular disease, like in this case, focusing on hepatocellular carcinoma, this is where we can really get down and do some cool things. So when I search for hepatocellular carcinoma and I require the tissue to be liver, this way I'm not getting any metastasized uh, samples, I can ask a simple question using the pre-computed Omicsoft comparisons. So for example, I can ask for every single pre-calculated disease versus normal entry, give me only results that have an adjusted p-value of less than 0, uh, 0.05, and only give me the genes which are downregulated, genes which have a fold change uh, a log two fold change of greater than negative one. So this query is going to take every single pre-computed comparison for hepatocellular carcinoma, and it's going to return every single gene that happened to, within any kind of disease versus normal comparison for a study, have a significant negative value. That is going to give me this incredibly massive table where I have 57,000 entries for all of these individual genes within each of these individual studies. And ultimately, I can then count these up and just really easily create a pivot table that tells me what are the 20 most commonly downregulated genes across all hepatocellular carcinoma samples in liver. And this is giving me essentially a signature of potential genes to follow up on. And for today's example, I was really curious about CCL14. That was the, the particular sample that jumped out for me. If you wanted to instead use this entire signature as your example, though, you can easily do it by either gene name or if you want, you can actually output the gene index to make the query uh, more responsive. So with that, I'm going to be shifting into some of the more specific examples. But first, I wanted to go ahead and pause and just see if there are any questions so far. Thank you, Kyle. Um, many of the questions that came earlier on were around data processing. All right, this came before you showed that slide, but nevertheless, I do feel that it might be in benefit of everyone if you emphasize like, you know, are all data processed using the same pipeline? Uh, what about things like batch correction? 
And you know, how can you reliably compare across different studies, different projects, et cetera? Definitely. So we do make our pipeline available uh, online. We do have a, our own custom aligner, uh, but we provide information about those details. So if we go ahead and pull up the documentation, this is where we can go ahead and dig into how specifically the lands are processed and get into a lot of that detail. So this is something that we can be sure to discuss uh, later if you have any questions. We can send that uh, out to users one-on-one -on -one as well. On that topic, like, you know, our fast team did provide with specific, you know, wiki pages and whatnot, but the key was to make sure that we let people know that everything is processed using the same pipeline. And of course, if you want to do anything further with it, then there is like download option um, as well. Uh, one other quick question was like, you know, what about non-sequencing data like nanostring? Uh, nano so do we just have sequencing or do we also have some non-sequencing data? Uh, we do have some non-sequencing data. I don't think we have any nanostring data yet, but we definitely have uh, proteomics data, whether it's uh, RPPA array data for TCGA, or we also happen to have mass spec experiments, say for GTEx. So we are taking the time to implement non-sequencing data. We also have all of the metadata that's available in these data sets. So in other words, let's say you happen to be looking at the cancer genome atlas. And when you are looking at TCGA, you might be interested in really digging into some of the uh, details uh, that they've curated in the marker papers. So TCGA happens to have quite a lot of information available to it uh, for things like host immune response. So if you really want to dig into uh, all of that clinical information, clinical data is stored in Omicsoft. So things like tumor size measurements or patient demographic information, you can sort and subgroup by all of that information. Okay, wonderful. Kyle, while more questions are coming in, uh, our team is answering. So perhaps, you know, we can go over a few more topics and take more questions towards the end. I leave it to your preference though. Gotcha. Um, in this case, I see that uh, because today is a rather short uh, webinar, I'm gonna go ahead and move on to make sure I get towards the end. Okay, wonderful. So for these next examples, this is where I've picked a gene. So I've already queried and gotten every single downregulated gene for all of those hundreds of liver carcinoma samples. So let's say that I want to focus on one. Let's say I want to focus on CCL14 and look at how is it expressed across tumor biopsies, cell lines, normal tissue. So for this particular presentation, excuse me, for this particular uh, example, I am limiting myself to GTEx, TCGA, CCLE, and OncoHuman. And I'm asking across all liver samples within these databases, go ahead and give me the expression of CCL14. And so by asking this question, I'm able to get a table. And this table contains things like the FPKM value, you can get the detailed uh, log2 uh, FPKM information. 
if you would rather work in TPM, it's possible to do that because we have the conversion factors between FPKM and TPM stored for every single sample. So here, this is where, in addition to requiring that my gene name and my tissue category match these attributes, I'm also requiring that the sample have an FPKM love less than 1,000, so I don't have any really weird sequencing results. And also, because we have all of this clinical information uh, annotated, I can also create a term for treatment status. And in this case, we're actually pulling up the clinical triplet information for all of these samples and using treatment status. So here, we're looking for only things that are not applicable, none or no info, basically no treatment. If we wanted to focus exclusively on a given treatment like pembrolizumab, we could do that as well. But ultimately, here, we're getting all untreated data for all of these samples. And with that, again, we're able to plot this essentially however you would like. So currently, I happen to be creating a scatter plot uh, in uh, Seaborn. So it can be a little tricky to see, unfortunately. But here, I want to point out that TCGA and Oncohuman have the same spread of hepatocellular carcinoma expression. Uh, and we can easily compare that to normal control samples, whether they are in uh, oncology samples from GEO or they're in normal tissue controls from GTEx. If we want to really do something cool, like ask what other genes correlate or anti-correlate with CCL4 uh, or CCL14 expression, that's where we can, again, easily ask this kind of question where based on all of this gene annotation information, we can on the fly generate correlation scores. And so in this case, I'm generating correlation scores for every single upregulated gene. And here we have all of the positive correlations between CCL14, or we can generate it for all of the anti-correlated genes. And so in this case, we are pulling up information about things that are anti-correlated, meaning when CCL14 is up, these other genes are going down. And because we have this information all stored in an easy to access API manner, it's also very easy to create these plots where we can go ahead and show based on a variety of metadata. How are these two genes compared? How are they expressed with each other? And so for this particular plot, I happen to be showing CCL14 and uh, PDE2A. But let's say, for example, I want to look at something that is uh, anti-correlated. So let's say I want to change this to, I believe, XRCC2 uh, was an example of an anti-correlated gene. So when I go ahead and do that, again, I'm able to just generate this on the fly and get that anti-correlated plot to see exactly across all of these samples, when uh, are these samples uh, going against each other? Uh, and also, 
uh, are there any particular trends? Do I see a particular cohort of samples that defy this trend? So let's say that we actually get a full-blown uh, gene signature. So here I'm showing that I've taken the top 50 correlated and bottom 50 correlated genes. And I'm using these indexes rather than the gene name in order to ensure that I have uh, fully uh, accurate uh, information. So now that I'm taking all of these uh, to perform uh, correlation, it is really easy for me to then do statistical tests. Uh, I can go ahead and do gene set enrichment analysis uh, fully within Python. So here, for example, this is where I am essentially performing uh, just this simple enrichment. And I can really easily identify what other samples have these similar signatures. So I'm looking for upregulated and downregulated matches. And with that, I have all of these comparison contrast details. These are the Omicsoft terms for every single statistical comparison that was made in that original study. So primary tumor versus non-tumor, uh, if I want to look at things like uh, drug-resistant versus non-resistant, all of these things can be further identified and categorized. And like I mentioned, we can really easily further filter those results. So let's say I have this list of comparisons and I want to require that the case tissue is liver. That is instantly doable. You'll notice that I had some other tissue types like bone marrow. So let's say I wanna require this to be bone marrow. That is also immediately possible. And then finally, let's say that we have this exact same signature. So again, I'm just pulling from those, those same variables for up and down. Let's say I want to ask in single cell data, uh, are we enriching for any particular cluster? And that answer is yes, we are able to identify that information. And so when we pull this data up, we're going to get a table. And this table again is going to be all of the individual public sources for this data. We have things like our comparison contrast. Again, what are we actually comparing? We also have details like what is the disease state uh, in the case and the control. So in this case, we're looking at a hepatocyte versus other cell types in normal control tissue. And again, if we wanna focus just on a specific tissue, it's the same process. You just specify the metadata field that you wanna filter by, and you just simply limit and sort your results. So here, I'm showing an example for case tissue, but let's say if I want to ensure that I'm looking specifically at uh, disease samples, I can really easily set the case disease state 
to something that I'm interested in. So here, I just want to scroll up so I can copy and paste my earlier disease. Hepatocellular carcinoma. And just like that, I'm able to limit my results just to that metadata field. The final thing that I would like to be sure to show is what uh, are you able to do in terms of like overlaying this data? So again, we're in Python, meaning we have all of those graphic tools available to us. If you're using R, it's arguably even easier to generate complicated uh, plots. So here, if I go ahead and just ensure that I have those convenience functions loaded, this is where I'm defining many of the things that I need to generate the following plot. I'm able to say define that I want to look at CCL14, I want to look at PDE2A, and I want to look at XRCC2. And here, because Omicsoft has pre-computed uh, dimension reduction map information, you can easily generate these cell cluster views on the fly, however you want to, them to appear. And so in this particular case, I can see that for CCL14, expression is enriched in this particular cluster. We also have some expression in some of these other places. And that particular cluster happens to correspond uh, to liver sinusoidal uh, endothelial cells. Scrolling down, I can see that PDE2A does correlate in these cells, but it also has a signature in some of these cell types that were not co-expressing CCL14. So this uh, expression seems to be rather specific for these two groups. So the macrophages and monocytes don't express CCL14, but they do express PDE2A. And then finally, let's say we have our anti-correlating gene, XRCC2. That is definitely not in this main cell type, but we do have enrichment for it in some of these other clusters. And some of these other clusters are shared with uh, CCL14. So we would be able to identify what those are. So overall, I hope that these query examples illustrated exactly what's possible with uh, using uh, these APIs, what you can do, or the kinds of questions that you can ask, how easy it is to get gene signatures, and then ask for all of the studies that happen to have that signature. So with that, I want to pause one more time for questions before I get into the documentation. Thank you, Kyle. One of the questions was, is Human Protein Atlas available? That is a good question. I don't actually know the answer to that off the top of my head, but that's something that can easily be checked. Um, I mean, we, we do have HPA data, so is your concern more around like APIs, Kyle? Um, as I mentioned, I- Okay, all not... right, sorry. 
Um, so other other thing is um, like, just give me one second. I have like a whole bunch of questions in front of me. So I'm just getting to the uh, right one. So one of the questions was around how do we extract the right gene signature from different studies? So in terms of extracting the gene signatures from different studies, the main thing that we're looking for is significant differential expression. And when I say differential expression, that can be because it's a microarray experiment or it's an RNA-seq experiment. It could also be different conditions that are proteomics or other kind of comparisons within a study. But the main thing is it has to be within that study and the authors have to clearly indicate what's the case, what's the control. And if those conditions exist, we will pre-generate the statistics for every single gene. Um, so we will also categorize those using terms like disease versus normal uh, or responder versus non-responder or treatment versus control. So that way, if you want to look at every single disease versus normal sample for a given disease, you can get that list of genes. And that is what you use to extract uh, the gene signatures from uh, these comparisons. The uh, other way, go ahead. Sorry, sorry go on. There, the other way that you can extract gene signatures is by using a bait gene. Like in my case, I also looked at CCL14. So because of that, I was able to find all correlating and anti-correlating genes for CCL14 and then further subgroup based on things like disease state or tissue. So that's another way that you can generate a signature. Either way, you can then validate that signature easily. Wonderful. Uh, given that we have five minutes left, maybe we should continue. And then after you wrap up, there are a whole bunch of other questions coming in and we'll take some of them live. Awesome. So for the final part of uh, today's talk, I really want to focus just on the documentation. What do we have that'll make it easier for you to get started? So first, I want to remind you that no matter how you access Omicsoft data, it is all structured, documented, and unified using the same process. So for example, TCGA information is split based on these major categories. And from that, we can easily get terms like gene FPKM or transcript annotations. And then those terms, these identifiers, transcript name, gene index, gene ID, gene name, these are all shared across all of the different tables, all of the different Omicsoft databases. And so because of that, we are able to then dig in and easily cross compare. So again, in order to access the documentation, you would just go to your My Digital Insights webpage login. And after you log in, this is where it will bring you to all of the various things that you have licensed. So in my case, I happen to use HGMD, HSMD, the biomedical knowledge base. That one's really cool. But today I'm focusing on Omic Softlands. And here, this is where we have quite a bit of this documentation, which I'm going to go ahead and preload in tabs. But just scrolling down, the main documentation that we have here are going to be things like, how do you get the uh, wrappers installed? Uh, 
what are some of the common uh, column definitions? Because we are taking the time to remap everything to our own internal ontology, we want to be sure that you have access to column definitions, tissue mapping definitions. So that way, if you need to cross-reference that to a different uh, ontology, you can. So for example, if I click on this tissue mapping Excel document, this is going to go ahead and give me a file where I can then cross-reference all of the individual tissues in Omicsoft with their public identifiers. So again, we try to make that easy. If you scroll down a little bit more, this is where you actually have the wrappers themselves, whether it's the programmatic interface for R or the programmatic interface for Python. And again, those are fairly easy to install. But if you scroll to the top, that's where we have these really big buttons. And going in reverse order, we have this data model, which I already showed. This is just an interactive showing exactly how the different data types, uh, whether it's RPPA or mass spec for protein, the DNA-seq mutation or somatic mutation information, uh, DNA methylation information, basically, how do you get to those and what terms do you need to look for? Getting into the schema, this is where we actually get into what are some of the common tables. So for example, we have this mapping table that applies to every database. And this is where I can get things like the disease category terms. And within the disease category terms, I can see that I have all of these individual disease states that are also co-mapped to all of these individual disease categories. So this is a great resource for really digging in. Now, as I mentioned, TCGA has a ton of clinical information. So when I expand TCGA, which might take a second, this is where in addition to all of the metadata that I have for the samples. So again, this is where I have things like the sample index and ID. I also have clinical terms like the agent diagnosis. Uh, I have all of these pan-cancer can, uh, uh, marker paper information for survival. And this is where I also have things like just tumor or normal. But going into even more detail, that kind of information is going to be in these clinical triplets. So here, the attributes, for example, this is where I can see exactly what kind of things are available. And so there's quite a lot of information that's uh, out there. Now, those are just examples of you know, schema, things that you can try to figure out. But how do you actually use this? To help with that, the third tab that I want to show is these query examples. And this is where we show for R and Python how to perform both general land-specific queries as well as these unified queries, which search across every collection we have. So for example, let's say that you want to look up a specific correlation. So here, if I want to know code that will help me calculate the correlation between a specific GTEx gene, in this case, this index, across all other genes, this is essentially the query 
that you would add. This is the SQL that you would put into either your R or Python code. Likewise, if you happen to want to look at RNA-seq expression, this is where we are able to do things like pull down the tables for all of these different data types. And then finally, example notebooks. We try to have uh, videos and tutorial notebooks available. And so these tutorial notebooks are available for both R and Python. And you can either download those notebooks or you can view them as a static web page. So for example, if I pull up the static web page for this R example, this is going to show me, you know, how do I get started in R? How do I install the packages? Uh, how do I perform these queries and return them as a data frame? So very similar to the notebook that I just showed, uh, these can really help you get started. And we are also adding to these notebooks on a regular basis. So as soon as the programming wizards approve my notebook, it might show up in this list here. The other thing that I want to be sure to mention, and this is actually where I'm going to conclude today, is that you're not alone. Yes, we have documentation, but this stuff is really complicated. It's really cool, though. So if you need help getting started, go ahead and shoot us an email. Uh, also. If you happen to have a more technical question or you want to know about how to get set up with a trial, go ahead and reach out to uh, either our technical support, our sales support, or uh, go ahead and uh, let Dev know any kind of questions that you might have as well. Finally, I can see that Dev has posted a link to a survey in the chat. So again, we love your feedback. Uh, feel free to click that link and let us know what kind of use cases you want to see in the future. Otherwise, uh, Thank you for coming. And Dev, are there any final questions that I can answer? Yes, there are a couple. We will also take this opportunity to collect some quick feedback from our attendees. And I am launching post-meeting feedback poll. It would be great if you let us know how valuable it was, uh, the information that was provided in today's uh, webinar, and also feedback about single cell example. Um, so for question, one of the question was um, the last query you showed, uh, was that Sura object? Yes. Um, so we do uh, create all of those objects in Surat and we also uh, make them available uh, for uh, flat file download uh, as needed. Just shoot us an email if that's something you want. All right. And a quick note to our attendees is there were good number of questions around licensing, access, Jupyter notebooks. Um, if we did not sufficiently answer them, please let us know. We are happy to connect you with appropriate account manager. And uh, you know, afterwards we can make sure that we can provide you with any and every information that you're looking for and that we can. Um, another question is around ontology. You know, can you comment more about the ontologies that are being used? Uh, yeah. So, as part of our standardized vocabulary, when we're curating data, we have to really make sure that we standardize around terms that uh, we can use both in the future as well as for all of the current samples. So. 
we have our own internal vocabulary, but we do make uh, cross references available. So those tables that I showed in the documentation, for example, those tables can help you map our disease states to public disease states, or you can map our tissue mapping to public tissues. But overall, our goal is to make this as compatible with uh, everything out there, especially because we're pulling so much different public data from so many different sources. Um, this one came a little after halfway into your presentation. Is it possible to add data studies on demand? Let's imagine a user finds a public study which is not yet in your database. Could he, she ask to add it? So we do curate studies uh, on demand, but in this case, what we'll do is we'll add them to the queue. Um, or uh, if you have an ongoing collaboration with our services team, we can also get that done uh, on the spot. That said, you can also say, analyze the data yourself and then compare it to public data. So if you want to make those kinds of comparisons, you can either use Omicsoft Studio or you can use another tool like Ingenuity Pathway Analysis. And those are things that make it pretty easy to cross compare. Okay, wonderful. In terms of major questions, I believe that's it. As always, we'll wait around one more minute in case someone is typing question or someone feels that your questions were not properly answered please type that in Q&A box. We will still stick around for one more minute to make sure that you know we answer any and every question that we can. And once again, for things that were related to licensing, trial, uh, you know, resources that you saw Kyle uh, presenting and you wanted to have a version of it, we will make sure we do a follow-up with you. The only exception is if you ask as anonymous attendee, please let us know who you are so we can make sure that you know, we connect you to the right party.